Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship. We would love to hear how God has blessed your life. Reach out to us through social media or email us at scfellowshipchurch at gmail.com. So I want to ask you why you came today. Did you come to hear a sermon? Did you come to see a friend? Did you come to hear some worship? Or did you come to worship the King? Did you come to minister to the Lord? I'm new with this idea of coming to church to minister to God. I've always come to church to make sure I got filled back up and to be prepared to go back out. And that's the way I've always been taught. But there's an element to this gathering that we call church that we need to grab hold of. We need to be here to minister to the King. And what I'm finding out is, as we minister to the Lord, He ministers to us. And we get what we need. We get filled back up. We get healing. We get joy. We get laughter. But it comes through that act of ministering to the Lord. Amen. Amen. I just want to share a few thoughts with you this morning. Um, and I'm going uh, to keep it on prayer. You know, we have um, been talking about prayer pretty much this whole year, and, and I don't think God is going to let up. William, would you turn the lights on for me, please, sir? I think the, the word has come forth that, that prayer has got to be you can turn them on. Yeah, you can turn them on. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Pr- prayer's got to be number one for us. It's got to become first place for us. And until we figure out how to do that the way the Lord wants it done, not the way Herman wants it done or Gary or Dad or anybody else, but the way God wants it done, you know, it's just not going to change. The focus is not going to change as far as what we're teaching and preaching. You know, the, the goal and the hope is that, that we get prayer in, in such the right place that we might need a refresher course every once in a while, but, but it is the most important thing in our life. It is what we're producing day in and day out, that it's not just something we have to force ourselves to do. But I would, I would venture to say that if I asked you, and don't raise your hand, but is, is prayer a chore right now? And I would say for the majority of us, and I'd have to include myself, it's getting better, but it's something I have to remind myself to do and, and sometimes force myself to do. And I'll tell you that it's not going to change by ignoring that. It's not going to get to a point where we enjoy prayer if we just continue to put it off or only do it a minute or two a day. You know, it's just like eating habits. I talked to you last week about that juice fast, which I'm off of now. So had a lot of people worried about me, concerned. Uh, you know, we don't learn new habits unless we push through some of the tough times. You know, and sometimes there are tough times in prayer. Our flesh fights against sitting or praying or worshiping for two hours at a time or an hour at a time. I was talking to uh, somebody the other night, and they were talking about the beginning of Benny Hinn's ministry and how he would pray eight hours a day. And I was like, okay, Lord, I I just now embrace doing two hours like a couple times a week. And now you're talking about eight hours a day. I mean, man, that's not even on my mind. I, I think I don't even know how he scheduled that or was able to do that. But that's kind of the point, I think, of what God's trying to say is it's something that I've got to schedule or I've got to make room for. And and no, 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 it it needs to be, I need to schedule and make room for other things because I got prayer on the schedule all day long. I got got prayer on the schedule. Well, I might can meet with you, but right now I got to get prayer. 
I got to get with prayer. I got to get with the Lord. That's what we're doing with prayer. We're getting with the Lord. Getting with the Lord. I read a statement. I read a saying. Uh, they were asking this evangelist whose name was Gypsy Smith, lived in the 1800s. And they said, what's the secret of revival? And Gypsy said, I'll tell you the secret. Go home, take a piece of chalk. 1800s, okay? I don't even know if y'all have chalk anymore. I don't Do we have chalk? <laughs> Go take a piece of chalk, draw a circle around yourself, and then pray, oh, Lord, revive everything inside this circle. Revive everything inside of this circle. See, change in our community starts with us. Impacting our community starts with us. As we change, you can't help but testify about the glory of God. You can't help but talk about the great things that God's done, not just in your life, but in this world. And the way we get there is through prayer. You know, D.L. Moody said it this way. He said, I'd rather be able to pray than be a great preacher. He said, Jesus Christ never taught his disciples how to preach, but only how to pray. God wasn't focused on how good a preacher you are. But he was focused on how good a prayer you are. I want to break down just the first verse today. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, we talked about the Lord's Prayer. And I just want to, I want to start with the Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's so much in just that one scripture. And I made the mistake again. I said, Lord, these people know the Lord's Prayer. They say the Lord's Prayer. We've broken it down. And, of course, he got on to me because he always knows best. And so I'm trying to learn how to just listen to him and just do what he tells me to, even if it doesn't make sense in the natural to me. And so as I look out over the congregation here, and, and I know some of you joining us through Facebook, I know you guys are, are prayers. I know you understand prayer. You've prayed. But I also understand that when the Lord lays something on our hearts to deliver, there must be something else we've got to focus on and look at in our lives. Maybe we've let it slip. Maybe we've let other things come into focus rather than what God's wanting to be in focus. And so I just ask you to open your hearts today and just listen to what the Lord's telling you. Maybe you've heard it before. You know, we talk all the time about reading a scripture. You know, it's the 14th time I've read the scripture and all of a sudden I got something new out of it. Got something new out of it. So it says, our Father, our Father, so two words, our father. That word our brings unity. Our father, not my father, our father. He's your father and your father and your father and my father. He's our father. You know, it takes out the selfishness. Mine, me, mine, my, ours. Just the first part of that prayer, our father. Let me tell you something else. My dad is my biological father. There are many of you that claim him as your, as your father or he fills a father role, but he's not your father. If we take a DNA test today, it will not come back a match for any of you but three of us as far as we know. As far as he knows too, he said. And then, and then, if you've watched any great talk show that does these tests, you know, I won't name all the talk shows. I'm sure you've seen them. Is there ever a 100% certainty in these tests? Now, when man does the test, he can never get to that 100%. But I can tell you this, when Josh, David, and I take that test, it'll come back a 99 point whatever percent match that he is our father. But it will not for you guys. And as much as I want to share him with you, and you get to have some experiences like I've had growing up, you didn't get to grow up with him. 
You didn't get the full experience of being with my dad and showing the love of the father on a continuous basis. Some of you had very, very, very opposite fathers. Some of you didn't even have an earthly father at all. But when we start talking about God and you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then we are 100% DNA match. Brothers and sisters with the same father, our father, it is a 100% match, not 99 point some, because God does it with exact certainty. Exact certainty. That's what our father represents. And guess what? Jesus started with our father. Why? Because we got to get a hold of the fact that he is there for us. He wants to be with us. He's not sitting up there like some ruler asking you to bow in submission like you got to beg for something. He wants you to understand that he desires a relationship with you. Now, he's not going to compromise with you. And he is asking for full surrender. But he wants to hug you and love you and give you compliments and encourage you and tell you how to do things the right way so you don't fall and break your knees and, and, and break your back. And just he wants to be there for you. That's our father. That's our father. Talk about who is in heaven. Think about that. So once we understand that, that he is our father and he is real, we have to understand that he is in heaven. You know, my father's sitting right here today. He is with us. Last November, his father passed away, my grandfather. Granddad, Papa Herman, is no longer with us. He's gone. So he was with us. He was with us. God is not just was. The Bible says he is, was, and forever is, right? Forever will be. See, when we pass on, we're just a was, but not with God. So when we pray to that father, when we have that conversation with that father, it's not somebody that used to be around. It's not some statue or idol or some grave that we're praying to. It's not something we hope or wish or pray that might sort of possibly be real or have been real in the past. Is. Is. You're not just praying to nothing. You're praying to an actual, physical, spiritual being. To God who is. Who was. Who is to come. You know, I remember when I first got out of the ministry, this has been about 20-something years ago, right out of college, felt like God was calling me into it. I got to spend four years working in the ministry full-time. And one of the first things Dad had me do was take some cassette tapes up to the hospital. Some of you young people may not even know cassette tapes unless you're looking at a, a museum or something. But before CDs and iPods and, and iPhones and, and, and podcasts and all this stuff, there were cassette tapes. And believe it or not, that was advanced technology then because there were other things before that. So when you wanted to hear a word, you had to take a cassette tape and put it in your cassette player and, and play that word. So he wanted to encourage this guy that was in the hospital. I didn't know him. So he said, we're going to lunch, meet us at lunch, but take these tapes right up to the hospital up the road here and give them to so-and-so. I don't even remember the person's name. So, I mean, I was excited. I'm a part of the ministry. I get up there to the hospital. I'm excited because, hey, I'm about to deliver some inspirational words. Who knows what's going to happen? Maybe, the, maybe that person gets up out of the bed right then. I just don't know. It's a world of possibilities. And as I get closer, a nurse 
asks me if she can help me, and I, I tell her I'm looking for so-and-so's room. And she was kind of jovial, but when I said the person's name, her countenance changed. And she said, are you family? And I said, well, well, sort of. I mean, he goes to our church. He's my brother in Christ. She said, well, I'm sorry to tell you this, sir, but he passed away. I said, what? Yeah, he passed away. I mean, I didn't believe it. I literally was waiting for Dad to pop around the corner and say something like, gotcha, welcome to the ministry. He's going to send me on my first mission, and it's to see some guy that just died. He don't know he died. So I said, okay. I take the tapes. I go meet him for lunch. Dad says, how'd it go? I said, well, not too well. He said, what happened? I said, he died. Dad said, he did what? <laughs> he thought I was messing with him now. Why did I tell you all that? Because that individual ran out of time. No longer, no longer is. He was. That's not your God. That's not our Father. He didn't run out of time. He's not going to run out of time ever. He's got time for you. The question is what? Do we have time for him? But we, he has time for us. You know? It's quite amazing. It's amazing. You look at that third part there. Uh, it talks about hallowed is your name. So our Father, knowing that we have somebody that's going to be there, it's not going to walk out on us, that's going to actually care about us. Who is in heaven? He's there now. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed means holy, you know, sacred, revered. You know, we need to understand that even though he wants to be our buddy, he also needs to be honored and respected and revered. He needs to be honored and respected and revered. You know, just the mention of his name should bring awe and amazement and wonderment and joy to you, right? I read in Isaiah chapter 6, it says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple, seraphim. Here he spoke of the seraphim today. Get this picture right here. The seraphim were standing above him, each having six wings, with two each covering, covered his face, with two each covered his feet, and with two each flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of armies. The whole earth is full of his glory. You see, the presence of God is so powerful and so awesome that sometimes all you can say is holy, holy, holy. That's it. You can't get any other words out. It's just amazing. It's awesome. Gary told you what happened to him this week. He took part of my sermon today. It's okay. I forgive him. No, I'm glad he told it. I asked him if he would tell it. God's presence so overwhelmed him all he could do was just weep and fall on his face. And like he said, it wasn't a depression or a sadness weeping. It was just an awe and wonder like, wow. I went to the gym this week and I like to go into the, uh, it's a dry sauna and it just kind of helps get me loosened up before I go ride the bike. And so normally I can do about 10 minutes right now and then that's enough. And you do have to be careful in those saunas because you know, it, it takes the sweat out of it and you can dehydrate. So it can be dangerous if you're in there for too long. And I'm in there and I'm wearing my orange shirts. Got John 3.16 on there. As I sit down, there's a fella sitting just below me on the bench. And he looks up and sees that shirt. And buddy, I'm talking, smile across his face. He says, what's that shirt mean? I said, John 3.16. Well, I didn't get to say anything else because, man, he was off to the races. 
He'd had an encounter with the Holy Spirit in January, and he hadn't stopped talking about him since. He'd been looking for Jesus. He'd been looking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in January, he found it, and he couldn't stop talking. 25 minutes later in that dry sauna, I finally said, Brother, I'm going to need to get out of the sauna here. We can keep talking, but I'm liable to pass out if we don't move on. So we went out of the sauna, and he kept talking another 25 minutes. And, and I said, man, I, I am just so overjoyed. I got his number. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow up with him some more. I'm going to see if maybe he wants to come and testify here as well. But I said, man, let me, let me get to the bike. I'm so excited about what God's doing in your life. And he said, well, can we pray before we leave? No, I'll tell you that back. He didn't say, can we? He said, let's pray before you leave. He grabs my hands, and, man, he just goes off in prayer. It was an awesome time. So as he gets done praying, I turn to get up, and now another guy's coming to the uh, dressing area there. And uh, he says, I just want to tell you guys, he said, man, I just appreciate y'all's conversation alone. He said, with all the stuff going on in this world. So he begins to talk to us. And, and, and the guy's name is Van, and Van hits the reset button. He just starts talking about Jesus again. <laughs> we have prayer right there in the dressing room, you know. I thought, well, I don't guess I'm going to get to work out today. That'd be all right. Amen, amen. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be all right. That was a pretty good trip to the gym, I think, you know. But he's so excited he can't help himself. That's what spending time in the presence of the Lord does. That's what prayer does. You don't have to force yourself to go witness to anybody. You don't have to put a checklist together of all the things you should do to be a good Christian. You can get so involved with prayer that when you leave, you literally ache for more time in prayer. You literally want to be in the presence of God. You can't stand to be away from God. David got so excited about the presence of God. He wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote about it in the Bible. Psalms filled about his interactions with the Lord. Psalm 118 was one I was reading this week. And, you know, he, again, he's so excited about God. He just, he kind of repeats himself over and over again. He starts out in the first few verses and he keeps saying, His steadfast love endures forever. Man, he liked that so much, he started out the first four verses saying that over and over again, and he ended the chapter with his steadfast love endures forever. He wanted to make sure that everybody knew his steadfast love endures forever, and that's all he could get out right there. He goes on, he says, he says the Lord answered me and set me free. He, he recognized who set him free. So the Lord is on my side and I will not fear. See, the only way that David knew that God was on his side is because he knew that he had gotten on God's side. See, we can be assured that when we are on God's side, he is on our side. You know, Abraham Lincoln back in the day had a prayer breakfast. That's right, they've been going on for a long time. Had a prayer breakfast, and he talked with the ministers, and the minister said, uh, President uh, Lincoln, let's pray that today God is on our side. They were getting ready for a, a battle. Let's pray today that God is on our side. And Abraham Lincoln said, no, gentlemen, let's pray today that we are on God's side. Because you see, when we're on God's side, he is on our side. That's part of understanding that holiness, understanding who he is. That's why Jesus started out with knowing who we're praying to. It doesn't matter what you're praying for if you don't know who you're praying to. But if we know who we're praying to and we know what they're capable of, then anything is possible. Anything is possible. You know, what keeps us from a revelation of the hallowedness? You realize that hallowed is an adjective. And I'm pretty sure that today adjectives are still the same as when I went to school. 
Adjectives do what? They describe something or someone, don't they? You know, if I asked you to turn to your neighbor and describe the Lord, how much time would I need to give you to describe the Lord? 30 seconds, a minute, an hour? See, we struggle with our faith and with prayer because we don't know who we're praying to. And we don't understand what he is capable of. If we will begin to reflect on what he has already done, then we can better see what he is doing and have faith for what he will do. We have reverence and honor for our God because of his actions. We don't honor people just because they tell you their name and tell you to honor them. That's not true honor. We honor people because of what they've done, their actions. So what has God done? The Bible is full of the things God has done. But I got news for you. Paul told us that no man has an excuse to not know the Father because of the creation that surrounds us. The Bible is filled with the things the Lord has done, but so is our world. Just look and see. The trees, the grass, the birds, the air, us. Us. The creation that God made speaks to his awesomeness. Hebrews says, And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. Isaiah 45 says, I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens and I commanded all their host. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, he is God who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. He said, I am the Lord and there is no other. I did not speak in secret. Let me say that again. He said, I did not speak in secret in a land of darkness. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, send me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Let me let you think about this too. Talking about God speaking things. Talking about being a, a man or a God of action. What does it tell us in Genesis? God said, let there be light and action followed. Why should we honor him? Because God said, let there be light, and there was light. Because God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, and he did it. You're here today because of God. When you begin to think of the awesomeness of God, how can you not get excited? How can you not just get overjoyed? How can you not overflow and want to tell everybody about it? The only reason is because you have lost sight of what God has done. And the only way to recapture that is to get back in relationship with him. And we do that through prayer. We want to impact our community. We need to impact our own lives first and impact our families and impact our community. And it spreads like a fire. Van, on Thursday, I think it was, he, he couldn't help himself. He couldn't help himself. All he did was see my shirt. He was keeping to himself. And, and just, just the vision of John 3.16 and knowing what that meant got him fired up. I didn't say anything to him. I didn't say a word to him. 
But that scripture spoke to him and it reminded him of his Savior. And he wanted me to know what God had done for him. He wanted me to know what God had done for him. So I want to encourage you today. God didn't teach the disciples how to pray using the Lord's Prayer just for rote memorization. Right before he talks about the Lord's Prayer, he talks about vain repetition. But then you talk about the seraphim and, and the angels and all they can say is holy, holy, holy. Isn't that just repetition? So what's the difference? The word vain. God don't want you to just repeat the Lord's Prayer just to repeat it and say, I did it. He wants you to take it to heart and understand the meaning of it. Our Father. Our Father. This unity. Who is in heaven. He's, he's right there waiting for us. He wants to hear from us. He desires to hear from us. Holy, hallowed is your name. He is holy. And we begin to think about that and we get excited and we get pumped up. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church. A place where you are loved, accepted, and received. A place of healing. A place of prayer a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.